1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to Cynthia That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And I'm so glad that you're with me today. And I think that we're gonna we're gonna really have some interesting topics and thoughts about this one today, so this whole entire hour is going to be about cheating and infidelity, and that's such a, a provocative issue because there's so much hurt and and chaos that comes with this and So I want you to make sure that you can listen to the entire show so if you're just tuning in. I want you to make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can listen to the show in its entirety. You can also go to the 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk website and they will direct you to this show as well. And so this show is entitled, Who Cheats? How Do We Heal? And so, especially in today's world, we have a lot of this going on and it's a very painful topic. It's painful for the person that was cheated on and it's very painful for the person that did the cheating. So... Really what is cheating well well, cheating actually is just taking something that's not yours or not not getting something in the appropriate way and in a more surreptitious way, a more devious way um, infidelity this is this is being unfaithful the the actual term is it's called being unfaithful to a spouse or another sexual partner infidelity is including sexuality within a relationship. We can cheat in relationships in a lot of different ways. We can steal money. We can time possessions. We can cheat by not telling people things. We can be dishonest on a lot of levels. Infidelity is the issue that really is relegated to relationships. And so infidelity always involves sexuality. So this is a, a really important thing when we look at the issue of cheating and infidelity And the subtle difference, but the impact is is grave. And that's why many times we can kind of say that, well, I didn't really cheat on them because I wasn't sexual. Well, so we can say, so maybe I wasn't really unfaithful, when actually what we're doing is we're saying anything that involves cheating, dishonesty, infidelity, breaking vows, breaking promises, whether they've been spoken or unspoken is is what we would call unfaithful. It's unfaithful. And so if the cheating is, is simply emotional, but I maybe wasn't sexual with the person, so I didn't do full-blown infidelity, it still really has heartbreak that always goes with it. And sometimes emotional cheating can even be more devastating than sexual infidelity. So we're going to talk about that and, and what that really means. And so Adultery is really defined as beginning in the heart, and then it becomes physical. This is what the Bible says about it in Matthew 15, um, verse 19. And this is the New King James Version. It says, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, faults, witness, and blasphemies. And the New Living Translation says that for out of the heart comes bad thoughts, killing other people, sex, sins of a married person, sex, sins of a person not married, stealing, lying, speaking against God. Because if you're the person that is single, that had an affair with a married person, that is infidelity, even if you were not cheating on another spouse. So I want you to really listen to some of these Bible verses. And the reason I'm saying this is simply so that we can have a foundation for it, not in any way to beat anybody up. Because we have to remind ourselves that we're human. And one of the reasons that Jesus came to the earth is because of our humanness and the need that we have for him and the redemption that we have for him. And that you have to remind yourself that nothing shocks or surprises God. And that's always comforting to me to realize that I'm not going to be able to do anything that shocks or surprises God. That he's seen it all fully and loves me still. He also has been to every single day of my life. He says he goes before me, he will be with me, he will never leave me, never forsake me. And what that means is that he has seen the day that that sin would occur. So if you have infidelity, cheating, unfaithfulness that you are facing right now, you need to understand that just as God made provision for your successes and for the gifts and talents that you have, he has also made provision for those mistakes and those sins. And he's already walked through it, and he's going to walk with you. So let's look at this verse in Proverbs uh, 6, 28 and 29. And this is out of the Message Bible, which I really like it. And I'm kind of paraphrasing it only because I'm taking little sections because it's very long. And so starting at verse 28, it says, Can you walk barefoot on hot coals and not get blisters? It's the same when you have sex with your neighbor's wife. Touch her and you'll pay for it. No excuses. And so there may be some punitive um, elements to that verse. But a lot of what God is saying is you cross that line and that's written into the fabric of his design. There will be a consequence regardless of whether anyone finds it out. It's kind of like if I jump off a building. Gravity is written into the design of the earth. I cannot defy gravity. If I break that law, something's going to break me. So you want to ask yourself, wow, there is no way to do this without grave consequence. And so it goes down a little farther, about verse 35, and it says, Adultery is a brainless act, soul-destroying, self-destructive. Expect a bloody nose, a black eye, and a reputation ruined for good. For jealousy detonates rage in a cheated husband or wife. Wild for revenge, they won't make allowances. Nothing you say or pay will make it right. Neither bribes nor reason will satisfy them. Now, this is the Old Testament, so thank God we we have some redemption here. But this is the heart of the issue, Without healing, without Christ, without many times without therapy, that there is no way to fix it. it is such a grave offense it is such a grave hurt to do to someone so if you've experienced it, you understand this very well now, we also frequently use this verse um, and this is matthew uh, five twenty seven twenty eight that talks about This idea, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman in order to covet her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And some of the translations say lust. So it's very important that you understand that lusting, if it's coveting, which means that I am attracted to this person and I'm thinking of all the ways I could be with them and I want to steal them from whomever they are with. That in your heart is considered adultery. Having a libido is not adultery. Thinking somebody's highly attractive is not adultery. Wishing that you could be with someone like that person is not adultery. We still have to guard our hearts and our minds because we have to be careful what we do. And many times in my office, I will say to men, You need to be very careful what you're doing in your mind. When you are fantasizing about a woman that you know and doing things with her that she is not giving you permission to do, that she doesn't even know you're thinking about her, that is infidelity at worst, unfaithfulness and cheating at best. Because that woman is not giving you permission. If she wouldn't do it with you in the natural, you should not be doing it in your mind. This is how we guard our hearts and our minds, so that we make good decisions. So as we look farther at this, this whole idea of lusting or coveting, we want to say that there is in no way does the law necessarily forbid the lusting after a woman. It's an, and, and what we say, and I hope you don't misinterpret this, when the Bible is talking about lusting, it's in terms of coveting. So when you are coveting, when you are attracted to somebody and you want to find a way to be with them and they are not in a position to, in a healthy way or a moral way, be with you, that's the issue of lusting with being covetous. So you will not covet your neighbor's wife. You will not covet your neighbor's house or his field his male servant, his female servant, his ox or his donkey, any other animal with which your neighbor uh, belongs to your neighbor. And that's Exodus 20:17. So you want to be very careful about what you're doing in your mind and spiritually what that is doing to your heart. So I hope that that makes some things very clear. And I, and I want to one time go back to this Proverbs 6:28, and especially verse, starting at 35, 34 and 35. And it really says, adultery is a brainless act, soul-destroying, self-destructive. And I want you to think about this, because there are many things that we do that are soul-destroying, self-destructive, and brainless. But the act of sexuality goes farther than other mistakes that we might make. Because it is a sin against ourself. It's, it's betraying ourself. Because our sexuality is at, the, is at the core of our being. It's one of the deepest parts of our identity. And it is a very complicated to heal from. So when we come back in this next segment, we're going to talk about this beautiful passage in Luke 7, 36-50, where Jesus talks about forgiveness and living in peace. I'm moving toward forgiveness. And so there's a lot of forgiveness that goes with infidelity. If the relationship is going to heal, obviously there has to be forgiveness. If the relationship isn't going to heal and cannot be healed, there still needs to be forgiveness of each other. But more than that, there needs to be forgiveness of self. And so this is imperative when we are healing from a mistake to this degree that we work on that forgiveness of self as Christ has forgiven us. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about who cheats and how to heal. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Make sure that you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and this show will be on it. If you are just tuning in, I want to make sure you hear the show in its entirety. This is kind of a tough show to only listen to snippets of it. It is entitled, Who Cheats and How to Heal? And and so it's important that you, that you hear the, the entire show. If you're just tuning in, I'm glad you are. And I'm hoping that this is healing for many of the people that have experienced um, this horrible relational breach that is very, very, very complicated. So make sure you check out the website. And it is a new website. So it's really exciting. It was launched. And so I want to make sure that you check it out. So we left off with this idea when it comes to infidelity that it is a brainless act. It is soul-destroying and very self-destructive. And that's what Proverbs says. And, and one of the things I want you to think about is the fact that regardless of the power of those words and the power of that passage, Jesus says he can heal and he forgives. And therefore we are to forgive. And so I love this story in Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50. And it, it talks about the Pharisee that asked Jesus over for a meal. So he goes to the Pharisee's house he sat down at the dinner table, and a woman of the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with perfume. And when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, Wow, if this man is a prophet I thought he, like I thought he was... He would have known what kind of woman this is who's falling all over him. And Jesus said to him, this is fascinating. He said, Simon, I have something to tell you. This is where one of the ways that Jesus shows that he is God, because he knew what this man was thinking. And so he broke into his thoughts and said, hey, I have something to tell you. And he proceeds to tell the, the story of the men that were in debt to a banker. And one owed 500 silver pieces, the other only 50. And neither of them could pay it back. And the banker canceled both their debts. And he says to Simon, which one do you think would be more grateful? And Simon said, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. And Jesus said, that's right. And then turning to the woman, and you have to understand how powerful it is that he turned to this woman and looked at her. Men did not talk to women in in those days, especially a woman of the street. And so it's imperative that you look at this and realize what Jesus was doing. He was restoring value to her. And he said, turning to the woman, he said, you are forgiven. At the same time, as he's turning to this woman, he speaks to Simon and he says, do you see this woman? And he goes on to say to Simon, all the things that she did for him, that he did not do for him. He gave, he washed her feet. She washed his feet. Um, put, you know, oil in his hair. You know, kissed him when he arrived. All these things that Simon the Pharisee should have been doing if he was a good host, and that he did none of these things. And so he says, she was forgiven many, many sins. And so she is very, very grateful. It's the forgiveness is minimal. The gratitude is minimal. And then he spoke to her and he says, I forgive your sins. So her forgiveness was great because her sins were great. And Jesus says, if the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. And so he went on talking to the different dinner guests. And Simon says, who does he think he is forgiving sins? And Jesus ignored him and said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So what do we take from this story? Now, we could say she's a, she's a cheater. We could say she's an infidel, certainly unfaithful, soul-destroying, whatever. But what Jesus is saying is he looked at her and saw her. So when you think about yourself, when you think about the cheating spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, we look at people and all we see is their sin. But Jesus looks and saw who this woman was. And he looked beyond the sin. He didn't ignore the sin. The sin was a piece of the story. Just as the act of infidelity is a piece of the story that has to be understood Moved moved through, repented from, and forgiven. But we still want to see the person behind that sin. Who is this person in your life that has done this? Do you know this person? And this is where I talk to clients oftentimes. I say, you know, explanations are very helpful, very important, as long as we don't use them as an excuse. This is a perfect example in Luke. This woman had all kinds of explanations as to why She was living this lifestyle. And if we looked past the sin of what a harlot she was and understood her circumstances, we would say, wow, there's great explanation for why she did what she did. But Jesus still said, it's sin and you are forgiven. So, explanation is always about relationship, never about excuses. So, when we are attempting to have a relationship with someone that has cheated, explanation is imperative we need to look past the sin and at the person and say what is going on with you that you would do a brainless act a soul-destroying act i need to investigate that what the heck is going on this doesn't make any sense and so as we unwrap that we start to find out what that is what that's about then we help the person that is forgiven to sin no more. That's what's imperative. We need to stop the sin. We don't just forgive it. We have to heal it. We have to find out what is going on behind the sin so that we sin no more. So what Jesus said to this woman, he says, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, this is an important statement your faith has saved you, go in peace. We have to have faith and belief that Jesus means what he says when he's going to forgive us and when he's going to help us forgive the people that have sinned against us so that we can then go live in peace. That's what Jesus is affording this woman. He says, your sins are forgiven. I understand why you're doing what you're doing. I look beyond your sin and I see you. And I'm telling you, your sins are forgiven. You need to go live in peace with yourself with your friends, with your family. So as we end this segment, I want you to really think about this idea of infidelity and that it may feel like the unforgivable sin. If you've ever known someone that has struggled with this, that has experienced it, if you're experiencing it now, you know how soul-wrenching and heart-breaking it is. You don't even think you can recover, especially when you're in the first stages of shock. So, we want, always want to think about that grief and loss process and I want to encourage you to go to the website and look up the archives for that show on grief and loss because I'm not going to take a lot of time with grief and loss today but that is part of the process is getting through the shock and denial the bargaining of why always having to understand everything and all the information gathering trying to rewrite the story to the whole issue of anger and then sadness That brings us actual forgiveness and peace So this is Cynthia Hyatt With Conversations with Cynthia Join me in the next segment As we talk about this idea Of what is cheating Who cheats How to heal from it And make sure you visit the website At CynthiaHyatt.com Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening today to a show entitled Who Cheats and How to Heal from It. So, we left off in the last segment, that last half hour, really giving some biblical guidelines, explanations, guidance, direction about the issue of infidelity what it is, what the Bible says about it, how Jesus deals with it, and the issue of forgiveness the issue of seeing the sinner versus just looking at the sin and and what that means and how to heal. And so we are going to now talk about this idea of overcoming infidelity. How do we actually heal from this? Well, you know, it can shatter even the strongest relationships and it leaves behind intense feelings of anger and guilt and betrayal. And for many of, of people that have experienced this, if they have overcome it, they will always say they are stronger for it and their marriage is better for it. They will also tell you they would never wish it upon anyone. Now, the, um, some of the yeah, experts, uh, um, this is from WebMD. I really like some of their resources as well as the American um, Association for Marriage and Family. They say that almost one quarter of married couples have suffered some type of breach of loyalty. And so when you think about this, the whole idea of, of this breach of loyalty, we want to look at what really constitutes infidelity, what really is cheating. And many of the, many of the things that you will find is that this affair may be too heavy for a relationship to bear. And sometimes parting ways is the answer, and that is always heartbreaking for friends and family and community, but, but sometimes that is one of the issues that has to happen, and that is the, the, the route that, that those two people need to take. But I will tell you, in the 26 years of doing uh, therapy, there are many, many people who heal from this, and sometimes some of the, the, the slightest degree of infidelity or emotional cheating I have a couple and they cannot heal from that. Then I have a couple that has multiple offenses, rampant infidelity. And as they unwrap that, figure some of that out, see what's really going on, they heal. So it isn't about what the infidelity is or what level of unfaithfulness. It really is about the individual couple and what's going on with the couple and what that infidelity, that piece, of that, that unfaithful act really meant. So there's lots of reasons why, why someone might have a quote-unquote affair. Sometimes it's purely uh, bad judgment. Um, and there are some pe- there's a person, they may feel satisfied in their marriage. They make a really bad choice on a business trip. Um, the marriage is in a, a compromised situation. They, they have a, a one-night stand, whatever that may be. Um, loss of impulse control. And so it can be from that to an emotional connection. It's the search for, you know, this need for someone to pay attention to you, flatter you, feel attracted to you. So whatever the reason for the affair, the infidelity is devastating. And so nothing rocks a person's sense of self or trust in marriage more than infidelity. And um, infidelity leaves people questioning their sanity oftentimes, as well as everything they believe in. And And everything that they thought was true, it makes it impossible sometimes to really trust themselves about any decision. And anything that they thought was true about the spouse, about the the family, about the relationship, about their history, they start doubting everything. And so some of the initial emotions that go with the discovery of betrayal are things like you know um, different, different things like panic, fear suicidal thoughts, intense depression, uh, lethargy, sleeping all the time, people do self-medicating behaviors, the gamut. When you find out that infidelity has occurred, what you want to recognize is the amount of trauma that it's doing to your soul. Either the person that has been the betrayer or the person that has been betrayed, both are experiencing trauma. And it's a it's a very dicey time in those people's lives. And so what we want to think about is some of the cause and effects, and we are going to really talk about that in the, in the next segment. After the initial shock of the affair is over, then both people need to kind of examine what role they played in letting the relationship slide. Or what were they in denial about? What were they ignoring? What were they pretending wasn't that bad? Or... What were they not managing? Maybe they knew that they were fighting all the time. Maybe they knew that they had let some contempt slip into the marriage. Um, Maybe someone had checked out of of the marriage. And so there are many things that we have to look at as to how this happened. And what what I tell people is the importance of looking at it is so that, as we spoke in the first uh, segment, that the forgiveness of sin so that we sin no more. We want to understand what happened. So that whatever was involved in that stops happening. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about this issue of infidelity. Make sure you check out the website at cynthiahyatt.com. I hear the whispers in my
1: throat. Well,
2: welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And you are in the last segment of this show with me. So if you have not been able to listen to it, I want to make sure you can go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and it will be right there. You can listen right on your computer. And here, the, the show in its entirety, we talked a lot about um, the biblical implications, what God says about it, how we heal from it, these different types of things. So in this last segment, we are going to talk about really what we do when we find out the infidelity has occurred so first first and foremost the affair has to stop that that's that's the bottom line if the affair can't stop we can't start any of the healing process so you can't reinvest in the marriage in the relationship if you have one foot out the door if you're still trying to figure out what's going on then what we usually say is we need to do a separation, a period of separation, if that may and that may move to divorce. So the person either says, wow, what have I done? I will end this thing immediately now that I've sobered up, got a little sober in my mind. I'm not saying necessarily from alcohol <laughs> unless that was involved as well. So the, when the person finally comes to their right mind and says, wow, I have to end this thing, or they say to themselves, I should have ended this marriage to begin with, Versus having an affair that for sure ended the marriage. So we need to first stop whatever is going on with the affair. And I say to people, even if you want to continue with the person you had the affair with, it's always better that you end that relationship, end your marriage, and start that relationship with that person a year from now after you have healed from the fact that you betrayed your marriage. So, make sure that the affair has stopped. And then we remember that there's going to be lots of ups and downs after the affair. The road to recovery is very jagged, very complex, complicated. And the ups and downs and the chaotic feel of it is very normal. And so the person who had the affair needs to be willing to discuss what happened openly if the betrayed spouse wants to do that. And what I say to people oftentimes is we are not going to talk about details. We are not going to talk about uh, how many times, where it all happened, what we did, because that doesn't help anybody. There, once we start opening up that door, we start comparing and contrasting, and that never ends. So what we talk about is we have to be open about what was going on in my mind that I ended up having an affair. And I have to be very open to what I was doing, how I was feeling, what my intentions were, how I feel now. And so this is imperative for the other person to understand who you are, what was going on with you when, you when you somehow made this choice. And so the person also who had the affair has to be willing to be accountable for his or her whereabouts, even if he or she thinks it's unfair. And, and I've had many couples that we've done this for many, a minimum of a year. And you would be amazed if you're the betrayer the amount of peace and security it gives that person if you are very willing and open to being accountable for what you're doing. And at all times, and to not be defensive, most importantly is to take out the defense and recognize that every time you handle those questions right, you heal and create new history and give corrective experiences. And so many couples that are struggling with this, they make sure that on their phone, their, their spouse, their, their wounded spouse can see wherever they're at, when wherever they are. And it is tremendously helpful to restoring trust. And it's not necessarily the person knowing where you are. It's your willingness to let them see everywhere you are. That's the healing piece. So there needs to also be a willingness to make promises and commitments about the future that the affair will not ever happen again. And steps that they are taking to make sure that doesn't happen. And understanding why the failure occurred. And being very open and honest about, wow, maybe I didn't tell you what my dissatisfaction in our relationship was. And I need to take responsibility for that. I let that dissatisfaction build up to the point that I was able to justify being with another person. And so this is about really being willing to be able to be loyal and to be faithful and to say, I can make a promise and I can be that person that fulfills it. And so there is also this need that the betrayed person needs to be able to have a timetable for recovery. So often that person who was cheated on, they're, they're kind of eager to put the past in the past. But I say to them oftentimes, that's really not possible. Not with the hurt that, that is this big. And so many times I say to them, we have 30, 60, 90 days. We're going to see what three months looks like. And then we're going to go six months, nine months, and one year. And at a year, we're going to then make some changes. After a year, at that point, we're certainly going to stop throwing the betrayer under the bus. But it is a long year. Now, that's not an exact timetable. Sometimes it's different with different people and circumstances and and the, the differences in how they feel and what happened varies. But you want to make sure that if you are healing something, a loss that great, it's a minimum of one year of the grief and loss process. And so the person that had the affair needs to examine their personal reasons for straying and what they need to do to change the temptation in the future. And so what is going on with them? That's a, that's a very serious personal inventory. And what we usually do as therapists is that we make sure that the couples are being seen jointly. If they are seeing, uh, want to be seen individually, they usually stay with that one therapist. If I am working with a couple that has infidelity, I generally see them both. It really helps to make it feel like a safer place. We don't have them seeing a different therapist. Some therapists may practice that differently. Um, that's generally the way that I practice and most that I know do. So as you move forward, both people in the relationship need to take responsibility for rebuilding a new foundation and what it is that they may be doing to tear that down. And so both people need to ask the other what he or she can do to rebuild that connection and what actions need to be avoided because that may break the connection that we're creating. So even the person who has cheated on her or or, um, should say to herself or himself, what role did I play in driving you away? What can I do to make you more connected to me in the future? Something to that manner. So you want to remind yourself that your relationship is what you built together. So if you don't like it, you have to take responsibility for what you did in building it. Now that never excuses bad behavior. And what I say to people all the time is, there's a lot better solution for getting out of a bad relationship, a lot better, lot better ways to get out of a bad relationship or manage a bad relationship than infidelity. So that is our last choice, and that is never an excuse. What we want to say is, if the relationship was bad, why didn't you attend to it and take care of it? Why did you see infidelity as the answer? So we say that to make sure that we know that both people were a party to whatever was going on in the relationship. That in no way gives the person that was unfaithful an excuse for why they did what they did. So many times marriage therapy is extremely helpful. You you can see your pastor. Many times with infidelity, it's a little bit more complicated. You may need some psychotherapy for that. And so really recognize that uh, most, most men who cheat are not necessarily unhappy in their marriage. But generally women... Are more unhappy in their marriage if they fall victim to any kind of infidelity uh, women in, uh, generally are more susceptible to emotional affairs than men, and they are usually going to give the reason for infidelity as loneliness that is generally why women give um, that reason for any infidelity and infidelity is not the leading cause of divorce, and it 's really important that you hear that 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 infidelity, is, as much as I hate to think about it, is more common sometimes than we would like to think. Um, and it is not the number one reason for divorce. The number one reason for divorce is generally contempt and, and people not feeling connected, not getting along. And so it's imperative that you understand the power of your day-to-day interaction, the connection that you are either building or breaking on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour basis. And how you talk to one another, how you feel about one another, has more to do with how susceptible your marriage is than anything else. And it has more to do with why a marriage does not last. And so what, what would you think the percentage of husbands say that, that have, sex, have had sex outside of marriage? Well, generally what we would say is about 25%. And about 15% of women have had sex outside of marriage. And generally, that sex is not necessarily um, full intercourse. It is a lot of times emotional with kissing, hugging, these types of things. So what about this idea if you think your partner is cheating? So should you go, like, investigate? No, I would say, really, please do not do that. What you want to do first is address it. And you want to say to them, I probably don't have concrete evidence for this, but I have a really bad feeling. And I'm feeling super uncomfortable, and I don't know why I'm feeling this. And I want you to know that I want to know if that's going on, or if you are feeling like you want to do that, I want to take care of that before it really happens. And if it has happened, I want us to get some help. And when we do it that way, we do a lot less damage. If you say to this person, I'm really feeling like something is going on and I'm really uncomfortable and I want to do some things so that I can make sure that I feel comfortable. Can I look at your phone? Would you let me do that? Are you looking at things on your computer? Are you talking to people on your computer? Would you be willing to show me these things? Now, what I would recommend to you is if you are having that level of distrust, that level of insecurity, I would recommend you get a therapist involved then it can help to put some appropriate boundaries on that and to make sure that if the insecurity is truly directed at the relationship and that it is not necessarily an issue that comes with the person. I hope that makes sense. So this is always interesting when I say to people that men are more likely to cheat on their wife if their wife is the uh, main breadwinner. Um. If a man is uh, the main breadwinner, he is he is just as willing to cheat, but men are more willing to cheat if if the woman is the primary breadwinner. If the man is the primary breadwinner and the woman does not or is not even close to being a breadwinner, she will have less likely she will be less likely to cheat. So there's lots of reasons that that happen with this whole issue of infidelity. But more than anything, I want to remind you that there is a hope for it. There is the possibility of healing for both people. And there is absolutely the possibility for healing the marriage. But both people individually can heal if the marriage does not. And that's imperative so that we don't take whatever trauma occurred in the marriage or whatever we were doing in the marriage that was impeding it from being the marriage that we wanted. We don't take that into future relationships and so this idea that Jesus is very kind to the harlot that that was in, in the, the Pharisee's home. And he says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So what we see here is that Jesus knew her. He looked at her, but he valued her. He looked at her for who she was, not for what she did. And it's imperative for anybody that has struggled with infidelity that you understand that's how God sees you. And that more than anything, there is hope, and you can heal, and you can be the man or the woman that God has truly called you to be. And for the person that has been betrayed, God really understands the feeling of betrayal. Humanity betrays him all the time. He understands what it feels like to be cheated, to be cheated on, to have people be unfaithful to him, to have people lie to him. He knows that feeling and is very comforting for you in it. He can also heal those wounds. So Jesus is saying to us, your faith has saved you, go in peace. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. Visit my Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. Love it when you um, give me any feedback. You can always email me and let me know what you might want to hear for future shows. Again, this is Cynthia Hyatt